0: Hey, everybody. Before we get going, Victor here, I just wanted to call out that we will be spoiling Ozark, the first seven episodes that dropped of this final season, in the first part of this conversation. So if you want to skip right to the after-party conversation, we'll be discussing both the after-party here, the Apple Plus comedy murder mystery show, as well as Ozark in this conversation, Sona and I. So if you're only here for the after party conversation, jump to about 40 minutes into the episode. And if you're here for the Ozark conversation, that's what we that's what we uh, are discussing at the top of the episode and you could just drop off when we transition over to the after party. And also just want to mention that I dropped an episode this weekend, an old discussion, conversation that I'd had with Ian discussing just how different samples are used in contemporary music, samples of 1971 music, the 50th anniversary of many important albums that came out back in 1971 piggybacking on the apple plus once again apple plus documentary 1971 the year that music changed everything so if you are curious about hearing more of that music from that time and just how it's been sampled throughout music history check that out it just dropped over the weekend so i hope you enjoy that and i'll talk to you soon uh,
1: uh, wah, wah, wah. Girl, you're my, angel. You're my closer than my
0: peeps you are to me baby welcome back everybody to another episode of need some introduction on today's episode we will be discussing ozark the first half of this final season sona's finally caught up on it and we'll be discussing that first as well as the new apple plus tv series the after party which had not one not two but three episodes dropped and i'm actually glad they dropped all three because and we'll get into it later But I actually was not very excited by that first episode, but I was much more on board by the end of the third episode. So I think they got better uh, as they went along. And it seems to be the reaction of the internet also, where there's already memes about the songs from that third episode. So we'll jump into that in a minute. Remember to subscribe to us when these episodes are available, we will be continuing to cover this series. And we'll be talking about other shows that come along the way that are in this vein. There's actually surprisingly a bunch of comedy slash thrillers coming up and maybe we'll continue this motif as we cover this show. And as usual, if you want to give us some feedback, write us an email to needsomeintroduction at gmail.com. And with all that out of the way, Sona, you have caught up on Ozark. And I intentionally, I knew I had already watched the first half and I intentionally dodged some spoilers when we had our conversation last week, but how did you land on this whole half season?
2: I loved it. I really did. I was concerned that it had reached the point, which I think you felt it, it maybe had already reached of just playing things out for too long for the sake of making more episodes. But I really feel like this is a a logical direction it's headed somewhere a lot is happening and i'm really interested in seeing how this all plays out
0: as critical as i was on some things last week as far as season four goes i agree with everything you said there is a direction it's going in it makes sense where it's going and uh, of course i'm so happy spoilers everybody <laughs> i assume yeah. so i'm gonna spoil something here I'm so happy that Darlene is dead. <laughs> it's such a weight <laughs> off my chest. I can now watch the show free of my biggest reservation.
2: Yeah, it really feels like it's building to something. Uh, it feels like it was inexplicable that Darlene had survived as long as she had. Unsurprising that she did, she does meet her end here. One thing about Ozark that, that I really like in comparison to a typical, I don't know about TV show, we were making Breaking Bad comparisons and probably Breaking Bad did the same thing, but a lot of other TV shows and certainly movies don't, where the person is in a position to kill the other person and then things just getting long and drawn out and then there are intervening events and then the person just ends up not being killed for whatever reason. In Ozark, they get right to it. (laughs) If they came there to kill you, they're going to kill you. That's how it's going to go.
0: I could now be completely open about this, the Darlene problem, which I've had on the show for multiple, since literally, like I told you, I dropped off this at the last episode of season one, when Darlene pulled out that shotgun the first time, <laughs> and it literally is when I quit the show and, and then just <laughs> continued throughout, but it was like, as if they were trolling me, as if the show was trolling me directly, that literally in every single episode, in every episode of this show, except for maybe the most recent, the, the last one, That Darlene would walk into the room with a shotgun and just like you said, just blow somebody away, like for the smallest reason. And like I mentioned earlier, it's amazing that like supposedly she's protected by her husband, but she killed her husband. And then supposedly she's protected by the mob, but then she kills Frank Sr. (laughs) Yeah. So who's protecting everybody who supposedly is her ally has, she's murdered them. And then, of course, Javi is like, whoa, this is pretty stupid. <laughs> Let's just kill Darlene. Yes, yeah. Javi.
2: she had some anger management issues, but then <laughs> at the same time, some begrudging respect as a woman, when a man rubs, rubs you the wrong way, so many times you have to go along and get along just because you you need to have that person on your side. She doesn't care.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I actually will give her credit for it. But by the way, it, it's totally agreement that say that, Hey, if you want to pull out the shotgun, go ahead. I just want the show to logically pay that out. Instead right. of-
2: there are consequences to your actions. So, exactly.
0: Yeah. And give me an explanation as to why, for example, Frank Sr. gets murdered. And then Frank Jr. is like, I'm going to go avenge my father. And he's like, actually, I'm uncomfortable with killing somebody. Get one of the. Didn't you just inherit the entire mob? Get one of those guys to kill him. Like, there's no rational reason why he's still breathing, why she is still breathing, none at yeah, all. Absolutely. And worse than that, by the way, once again, as if this, I felt like the show was literally trolling me specifically because <laughs> I was so annoyed by this. We then have Wendy. We then have Wendy sit there and watch her have like a stroke in front of her, a heart attack or whatever yeah. it is, and she could literally say. I could just not call nine one one and let yeah. this woman die, and she doesn't. She's like, I got to do the right thing and they call nine. She is going to murder your kid. Yes, like literally, this woman is probably, if she had not been killed, <laughs> she would probably have killed her son at some point in the future. And she calls nine one one. It's as if they're protecting Michael Myers in a Halloween movie. They're like, I hope he makes it through. Hope he pulls through. Like. Why are we rooting it, it for this? It felt
2: a little out of character from what we know of Wendy. Right. She doesn't hesitate to capitalize on things like that. Right. So I was surprised. And in fact, when the, the original episode that ended with that, I thought it was a little bit of a cliffhanger. Right. And in my mind, if I had to pick which way that was going to go, I would have assumed that she waited to make sure Darlene was no longer breathing and then called 911 to say, oh, she's having a heart attack. Please come. That's what my money was on. So I was surprised to find Darlene alive in the next episode.
0: I completely agree. I was like, here it is. Finally, she's out. She she gets to basically let Darlene die and then not, her hands are still clean, which is what she wants. And she doesn't, it's shocking to me. And once again, if there weren't consequences, potentially negative consequences, it's not only that Darlene does not face consequences. It's that these people who are in the end protecting her by not taking action, they face consequences. Frank protects her when he shouldn't protect her anymore after the husband's at, off the scene, even though she's an irritant to him. She's already shot his you know, son's manhood off. And despite all that, he is still protecting her. And then he wants her drugs, then he doesn't want her drugs. And then she owes him the drugs and she still, And then after all that, he shows up at her house just to be murdered by her. Why was he protecting her this whole entire time? It makes no sense at all. And it was really frustrating to me, by the way. And uh, it it really gets in the way of me enjoying the show. But I couldn't say last week because you haven't seen it yet. But I am totally on board. When I was telling you that I was totally on board with the second (laughs) half, I'm totally on board the second half because she's dead. (laughs) So I'm definitely going to watch the second half now. Poor Wyatt, though. This is what's so bad about the show to me. I wish I could have sympathy for Wyatt. I was so happy Darlene was dead. Then I'm like, eh, <laughs> collateral damage. Okay, well, I'll take that.
2: You know, Wyatt was so well cast, I felt, or... His appearance, like he just had that appearance of a kid who has had a rough life and is trying to make the best of it, but there's permanent damage done there. Does that make any sense? Do you know what Mm
0: -hmm. I mean? That
2: look about him. I'm not sure what this actual looks like normally. But he definitely looked like that kid that you knew when you were in high school, that you were like, this kid is not going anywhere good, like the damage has been done.
0: Along those lines, by the way, he plays, there's a movie called Super Dark Days, which came out, I think, four years ago or so, which is right around the time, I guess, he got cast for this show. And uh, it's probably where he broke through. And it's, uh, I don't really like this film that much, although it you know, got very good reviews. But it is, it's really about a kid who... Is maybe bullied and gets into trouble at school, an antisocial kid at school, and then like these the darkest possible consequences of that. I felt the show, the the film was a little too dark for my taste. It kind of had no humanity to it. But uh, but it's very well respected. again, won a lot of awards, and he is the star, and he plays a very similar role as I described the protagonist in that film. Uh, so like to your point, I think that's probably why he got this role because he really is perfect for that kind of role. Mm-hmm. Really good in that film, even though, like I said, not a huge fan of the film, but he gives a great performance. So I just want to call that out. But yeah, it's too bad that he's not on the show anymore. There's a way that easily, they could have had him fighting with Darlene and not walked in there. I think they have him getting killed off intentionally. Ruth is now going to be gunning literally for Javi and that's going to have consequences as well, or risks at least. Uh, And I think that's the reason we have that turnaround. Cause obviously he's not going to go kill anybody in Darlene's behalf. Darlene has no friends, and Ruth has basically inherited millions of dollars worth of opium.
2: Right. And poor Ruth, honestly. As I said the other week, I I have grown fond of her and attached to her. And I feel for her. This girl is really going through it. And I don't think she has ever been able to find someone that she can count on. And that's very lonely. And I think it does. I think she plays it well that... She also has just been through so much, and I think she just so desperately wants some stability in her life. And no matter how much she wants it, she just can't get it, whether with her dad, with Ben, with her her cousin Wyatt, like it, it just is not with Marty with anybody like she just can't count on anybody this poor
0: girl Ruth is to your point earlier where I was asking you where you had sympathy and I do agree by the way I, didn't, I don't think I ever seconded that for you last week when we discussed it I do have sympathy for, for Ruth even when she was like I hated her in that first season yeah she was really yeah <laughs> <laughs> I really did but at the same time I it, like admired her in a way as much as I disliked her because for always getting in mixed up and everything. She's also looking for a way out of this life she has. So I do appreciate her performance very much. And I appreciate her as a character. So yeah, she is someone that I I do sympathize with. And in a way she could be the hero of this whole thing in the end. Maybe she's the one who rises Mm -hmm. to the top of this whole toxic stew. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of some of these interactions? I thought I'll tell you one that I think is interesting and worked well. And then one that I thought was ridiculous unless they plan to develop it somehow beyond that one was the whole maya is maya the the character's name Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm, pregnant mm -hmm, police officer mm -hmm. they really screwed her over too by the way where she yeah now that she has the baby and she talks about how parenting can make you selfish and i think that is one of the themes of the show that these people rationalize that they're doing terrible things but they're doing it for the good of the family once again a theme that is in Breaking bad as well.
2: I get hung up on yeah. that phrase. I've, I've heard it before. I can't remember the context. And maybe I just don't fully understand what it means. But for me, it's because for me personally, I think about how selfish I was before being a parent personally. And so, like, to me, that doesn't translate like a selfishness of protecting your family. To me, that's not what parenting makes. I'm not explaining it well, but I don't understand the phrase. I don't think it's applicable to my life, long story short.
0: I think what they're trying to get at there, and I do think it's something that is so said sometimes is that when you are an individual, Your thoughts obviously are selfish because you only think about yourself. But I think that what they're touching on there, and once again, I think it's something that comes up in Breaking Bad as well, is using that as a rationalization where it's basically what Walter White says, once again, minor, very minor spoilers for Breaking Bad coming up, but where in that final season where... Skylar basically says to him please don't tell me that you did this for us and then he finally admits no i did it for myself and i did it because i was good at it and i think that is what they're trying to touch on here as well is this idea that you when you are selfish and you are an individual you have to admit that you are being selfish when you're selfish and you're doing something for your kids or something when you think about these people who manipulated the college enrollment for their kids or whatever. I always think to myself, are you really doing what's best for the kids? Because they may have like inferiority complex about getting in the way they did or having to lie about their credentials for the rest of their lives, etc. Or are you doing this for yourself? And I think that is the element of selfishness that they're talking about.
2: Yeah. I guess I just don't understand how it translates to my everyday life. So I'm having right. a, a hard time with it, but I- Listen, it's a, I've heard it before, so there's something to it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I wanted to touch on that I think is messy, by the way, because I don't know where they're going to, unless they're, maybe they're going to pay something off in the second half, but I think it's bizarre, is this political blackmail that she's involved with where this senator, I believe it is, Mm -hmm. has a son who, maybe they're just trying Mm -hmm. to parallel a son involved in criminal activity, but a son who has developed some kind of technology that is so good that it can change the votes on voting machines. And and I'm like, this is like a really big topic to throw in here. First of all, it's preposterous yeah. that some kid would come up with some technology that's that good that it can manipulate this software. And no, Fleets of Russian hackers can't do it, but this kid figured it out. And then uh, on top of that, the, the fact that It's putting Wendy in this like uncomfortable position of being like, oh, now I'm helping somebody who could sway an election and I'm, my fingerprints are on this crime as well. And uh, I don't know, it just seems very contrived for me.
2: Okay. First of all, I'm not sure we ever needed this political storyline. Yes, I
0: agree.
2: Talked about how maybe they've thrown just a few too many things into the mix. And a lot of the storylines I find compelling and interesting and I like politics, but I just yeah. don't think we needed this. It's adding for me a new set of people to keep track of. And I'm not great at keeping track of certain types <laughs> of people. <laughs> so that is challenging. And just remembering the facts of the, these plots with the politics, it's not it's not going great for me, to be honest, first of all. Second, I find it very hard to believe that someone who is supposed to be as smart as Wendy has shown herself to be, did not put together the election rigging thing the second you heard voting machines were involved, right? because I did, and I'm not theoretically as as much of a criminal mastermind as Wendy. So the idea that she realized after the deed was done, the possible repercussions of her actions, I found very unbelievable, honestly.
0: Yeah. this goes back to the critique I made even before I saw this, which is, I feel like they there, there's definitely elements of the show that are very compelling, undoubtedly, but I also feel that it is so overstuffed and for no reason. This is a completely self-inflicted wound. And here's another perfect example of it where, honestly, like you said, I'm very curious about politics also. And at the beginning of the season where they were saying there's only one way for us to survive this thing is for us to like push our way up right? We need to be so big, like too big to fail basically. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Could you imagine that this whole trajectory they go on is they're simultaneously like being targeted by mafiosos, but at the same time acquiring more political power because then they would become untouchable and that's their plan. That could be interesting. It'd be like a, a black comedy or a political metaphor of some kind. But I don't think they've thought this out very well at all. Like, it's just like something else that to distract you from, like, oh, now this too. Oh, okay. Yeah. That too. It's like, it's mm-hmm. too much, all too much. And it, it's even in the details. Like when I think about like Maya having this newborn, it seems like that's too much right now they're like worried. It's as if they're saying, oh, we feel really worried that it's possible that she'll be targeted for assassination because she has a newborn. As if, because the stakes are so high on the show that like just the cop being murdered and innocent is not stakes high enough. It has to be a baby. That's how high (laughs) the stakes always have to be.
2: I guess you can't carry through that parenting makes you selfish theme unless you give her a baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But even that, they only throw it in for one scene. It's like, I don't know how much they're going to develop that either. There seems to be too many things here, too many ideas here to develop fully, honestly. If I watch the show purely as plot, as a, just a plot delivery system, I am curious to see what how this all lands at the end. And I'm pretty sure this is, I'm pretty certain of this by the way, the show is so unlike other shows like Better Call Saul, for example, that are much more focused on character. I think this is so focused on plot that I think they will give us some kind of crazy plot twists by the end. I think we're gonna see a lot mm-hmm. of stuff happen in the second half of this season because this is the kind of show it is. They're not gonna like suddenly mellow out
2: no i i actually think it could build to a breakneck case
0: exactly yeah and i think that's what, what they're just setting stuff up to even be more crazy in the second half mm-hmm. which is part of the allure to finish this season off but they're still over complicating this story which doesn't have to be this complicated <laughs> this is yeah. a story as old as time right These, this is like a film noir basically drawn out for five seasons and it's like we've been seeing this for 80 90 years in the movies it's like it doesn't have to be so complicated <laughs> It's the recipe works even when it's much more simple.
2: Yeah. And listen, I largely like a lot of these plot lines, but I do agree with you as far as the politics one that, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just too many ingredients at that point.
0: And I thought it's the most egregious. That's why I wanted to bring it out is because like you said, I think all the other ones as annoying as they can be, that it still is these kind of personal stakes. And this is just- and voting machines. I'm like, what? You are not ready to, to address this. Yeah. Stop.
2: Did Stop. I mention Stop. the election fraud? Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> this could all be set up, by the way. You have another son. That son is very smart with computers. Maybe they, maybe there's something that they're setting up for the back half, but still, it's maybe. just too much to inter- interject at this point.
2: And speaking of the other son, my God, Wendy is really losing it, right? Like, it's too much. She's too drunk with power. She's... Trying to teach her kid a lesson by possibly getting him into trouble with the feds. <laughs> hey.
0: you know, this is, that's one of the notes I really couldn't touch on last week because you hadn't gotten oh, that far God. into it. And, and by the way, this is not a criticism of the show because I think it's true to her character. She's so single-minded yes. that she is, maybe he'll get arrested. And I'm like, as if like you guys are so shady, you don't think that's going to blow back on you in any way if your teenage kid is involved with the, crimes that you guys are currently committing what are you thinking yeah,
2: like even people are telling her she's saying oh but the record would be sealed yeah. and and the guy's saying nothing is ever really gone and she's just okay whatever what i heard is what i wanted to hear It's. it's but she's be- not
0: even gaming it out but the fbi knows about this if the kid gets arrested the fbi is going to find out about this they're going to know that the kid is probably like the fbi minimally will leverage them because they're gonna know both sides of the story. It's so not thought out. But like I said, I'm not criticizing the show for that. I think that's actually interesting because it speaks to her character. Like literally, Jason is
2: losing it. Like she's talking about her brother. Like maybe he's still alive at times.
0: Yes, that's true. That's a very good point. Like she really is.
2: She's losing it.
0: Oh, so I mean, she's, no,
2: yeah. so not, she's not so far gone that she doesn't realize that she that he's dead and she's the reason why. She does know, but just the fact that among when it's just her and Marty, she's talking about him in the present tense at times.
0: Oh, yeah. It's crazier than that. Like you said, it's like when she comes back from, quote, unquote, identifying the body, she look, turns right. to Marty and it's like, it wasn't him. <laughs> and exactly Marty's like, yes. Yeah. No kidding. The show is totally aware of her mindset and it's true to her character because literally Marty, when she threatens uh, and they, Jonah walks out of the room, Marty just turns to her and goes like, what are you, like, what are you thinking? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing right now?
2: (laughs) And I like his low key way of playing Marty is even after he fixes the problem for Jonah and Jonah comes up to confront her and says, what were you doing? And Marty has already figured it out. We already right. saw it. And he just kind under his breath is like, God, Wendy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> even though he's already known that, he just puts in his little low key, yeah. my God.
0: <laughs> the other Wendy thing that I thought was interesting here that they did develop, and I was interested in this part. <clears throat> was regarding to her brother, like you said, this meltdown that she's having, but more interestingly, her going to visit her dad. What did you think about that whole situation?
2: Ah, So interesting. The whole involvement of the dad was so interesting here. His reactions to hearing everything about the son that he has not been aware that Wendy has been spinning this tale about his drug problem and him being missing and all of that. I thought really interesting. We don't know much about where either marty or wendy came from that i can recall yep So this is the first bit of insight into how they grew up and how they where the seeds were planted for them to become this way so i enjoyed learning about that
0: yeah i found it very interesting also amazing to see this actor whose name i forget but he played john boy on the the walton's i'm like this guy's gonna be like 70 years old is this guy ever age what's up with this guy
2: yeah no definitely he was great in the americans as well so that's right that's right so yeah i really liked it i have grown to like this private investigator character as well
0: yes he's so (laughs) annoying but like in a lovable way yes
2: so the believability of this pi sticking around at this point is really strange to me and i there was uh, a point at the end right where he calls maya and says remember how i'm investigating marty and wendy bird and that kind of threw me for a second because i i didn't believe the thing about helen needing the signature because it just seemed so crazy that he would still be sticking around trying to do this but then i was like maybe i'm supposed to suspend my disbelief because we've given we've been given no evidence that anything more is going on and then that phone call at the end made me think maybe i've misunderstood something do you have any idea
0: i think i did take him at face value initially and he also was a crooked cop so i think that he's probably not that concerned with being morally pure or what they're doing, being morally pure either. But I do think that he just has to solve this case. Like they said, I think he's like a dog with a bone and I think he cannot let this go. So I think now that does begin to investigate the birds, although his theory of what they're covering up obviously is, is wrong, right? They're not, he, he does not seem to be at all aware that he is, it really, once again, this death vortex that they create around them, that he is, his life is in danger now. And he's not aware of that yet.
2: And then something else I didn't understand was they seemed to have been indicating that they were going to make, they were going to create the same situation with Javier that they did with Navarro. And right. they said something about he'll make the deal and then he'll be arrested the same way they did with Navarro. I specifically remember hearing that, but then that's not how it seems to be playing out at all.
0: For Javier, you mean? Yes. No, I think that they are like, I guess that Javi now is going to be Navarro. Navarro is going to do his prison time, whatever that ha- time happens to be, like it would assume a year or something. And then.
2: Well, he to Mexico. So I'm assuming when he gets to Mexico, they'll let him go. Right. But they made a specific reference to it going down the same way that he would make the deal. He would think he had the deal. Then they would arrest him. And that's definitely not what's happening. And that's fine. I just don't understand why that line was in there. If it wasn't going to play out that way.
0: Oh no, I think it's changed. So I think that the, I think just the the facts of the case there at the end have changed the game. And now, like you said, I think now Javi's in it in in a way that I don't think they, I think originally they were trying to keep Javi out of it, but now Javi's in there. Now Javi is in the Navarro role. And not just like that, he's probably going to inherit the business, which is basically what Navarro was setting up for anyway but he's going to now be in cahoots with the fbi as well i don't know if javi's actually going to go along with that or potentially Javi will now do whatever the hell he wants like murder as many people as he wants because he's protected by the fbi so i don't know how that's going to play out but i do think that's an interesting uh complexifier yeah i agree <laughs> to parallel this once again javi very much is the lalo of this show lalo being on better yeah. call Saul. soul and I will not spell better call, but I'll just say that when Lalo shows up, every time he like walks into a room, my heart is in my throat. Like, oh my God, Lalo's here. What are we going to do? And when Javi shows up, I'm like, finally, a voice of reason. <laughs> 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 so it's a very different interaction yeah. I have. And it may not be intentional, but, but that's my experience. You
2: have a fondness for him because he took care of your Darlene problem. Let's admit,
0: I was already on board with him because he's the only one that made sense to me on the show. But then I was like, this guy's my boy now. He's my boy.
2: Listen, Better Call Saul ratchets up the tension to the point that it's watching it, like I, you realize you're not even breathing, right? Because you're so stressed out watching it. So I don't think this show has gone quite to that. I, I think Javi's more entertaining for me yes. now that it is stress-inducing. Um, but... Because there definitely were times with Better Call Saul that I've just been like, oh my God, I'm not prepared to be watching this right now. It's too stressful. But he's a great character, for sure, and very entertaining to watch.
0: And now I'm going to go and and digress a little bit, once again, to Better Call Saul. And it's like my advocacy in general for slower television. Like you were saying, I completely agree that, yes, you have to have the patience to watch a Better Call Saul versus watching a Nozark, which will keep you on the hook it'll pay off every 15 minutes like a slot machine or something. And Better uh, Call Saul makes you wait. But like you said, then all of a sudden you have somebody having a conversation in the living room. I'm talking about specifically about a scene in the most recent season of Better Call Saul. Just a conversation, just talking. No guns are drawn, nothing. And you, like you said, the tension is absolutely unbearable. You're like, how much longer is this guy going to be in this room? I'm going to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. He leave within the next five minutes. And i uh, and you, it pays off in that way. Like the tension, it's like the, the, it's, you, it t- requires patience, but you get a much better payoff in my opinion. And uh, that's just my taste. But I think in general, people would probably agree with that, but you got to put in the, you got to put in the time. Yeah, I really do. And it's the pacing, I think material wise, like as far as the moral complexity and the character decisions, there's a lot of similarity between like, the Breaking Bad and Ozark, uh, Better Call Saul but I think that the quality of the character development is much richer and a better cause of all.
2: Yeah, no, I understand that and agree with it as well. I will digress for a minute to say that it is completely unbelievable that these two children have been going to school the entire time. (laughs) Good point, I totally forgot about that, yes. Yeah, that Charlotte, she does not look like a high school student in any way, shape or form to me. But anyway, yeah. The fact that they could be this involved in their family's business and showing up for geometry is unbelievable to me. Like in a fun way, not in a, I'm not criticizing. Maybe she's homeschooled. No, they showed. Actually, those were her SATs. So yeah, maybe.
0: I, I don't think I, they probably, well, <laughs> especially Jonah, because he just seems to be spending all this time, like shuffling his computers back and forth <laughs> to the hotel.
2: They make a point of saying that he drives there on his bike after school and stuff yeah. like that. So they're going, but it just seems practically speaking, very hard to understand how that's, this can be happening. But
0: now just to- talking about Jonah is re- reminding me of those scenes that I once again have to go back to the Darlene problem I have. Darlene has literally murdered multiple people. Some th- for the, just saying the wrong thing to her, her has threatened Jonah's life. Ruth has told Jonah basically you need to run away right now or she's going to kill you in previous seasons and then jonah's like i'm going to work for i'm going to work for darlene (laughs) i'm like what are you talking about She's definitely gonna kill you one day. Like she, it's just a matter of time, buddy. It's just a matter of time. What are you thinking? I don't understand. There is like a blind spot. Everybody just thinks. Start. It's as if we're supposed to believe that because she's like this older lady, no one takes her seriously, even though she kills somebody on each and every episode of the show. I'm like, what <laughs> are you talking about? What is going on here?
2: I guess that's why Wendy feels justified in doing what she's doing.
0: <laughs> and what? And have him arrested. <laughs> this is true at least i'll save his life but that save his life potential she
2: she tried many approaches before she reached that
0: (laughs) before i we leave ozark the uh, do you have any speculation for what do you expect to see in the second half how do you think things are going to play out
2: i expect to see the opening scene of this entire season and you know how we're going to get there i'm not entirely sure it seems again, there's another conversation with the FBI that will be happening, or at least is scheduled to be happening. I think it seems like a lot of this is going, what they have set up is a big Ruth versus Javier situation with the birds just trying to keep it going until they can get out, which is, I think, going to force them to at least ostensibly be on Javier's side versus Ruth. So, um, and I think there's a lot of things that can happen in connection with that. Ruth has made it clear she's not one to be messed with, but Javier does have the power of, you know, Mexican cartel and he's a little crazy himself. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that could be happening in connection with those two fighting it out. What do you think?
0: I I honestly don't know what direction the show's gonna go in. I do feel that some members of the birds are not going to make it. That's my my general approach to that. And I don't know if the show is going to go in a very cynical direction and kill off the kids and the parents survive, which is kind of represent their selfishness. Or if potentially the show goes in a different direction and they, in some way, the family dies, is killed off, or at least one of the parents. And so that the rest of the family can survive. I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Ruth ends off basically becoming this, the next Darlene, a sharper version of that, I would assume uh, living out there. And she has her level of success as well. she has been mentored well by Marty and maybe Marty does die. Marty tried to commit suicide early on. I try to think about thematics in the writing of the show, but they had him almost kill himself early on to save his family. And maybe that's the full circle that comes towards the end. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, but I'm up in the air that, but you bring up a good point, which is the, how unresolved it is, that car accident we see at the very beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, first of all, I assume, I thought that we were going to get really close to that scene by the end of this first half. It seems like we're pretty close, right? Because now that Darlene's off the table, now the son will probably come back into the fold. And uh, now that everything's out with Javi, that they're not really hiding the FBI relationship anymore. So it looks like they do have an opportunity to get to have an out. So I think they're pretty close to that in this I think we can jump to that quickly, but what do you think the ramifications of that going to be? Do you think someone's going to die in that car accident or or do you think they're going to survive that?
2: That seemed like a bad accident,
0: Yeah. first of all. So
2: I don't know if everyone's going to survive it. And I just wanted to go back to something else you said about bringing things full circle. I thought it was really interesting in the last episode how they kept flashing back to Mm -hmm. before Marty left for the Ozarks and her conversations with his business partner and so it does seem like they are there there is some sort of plan to bring this all back to how it started somehow otherwise i don't think they would have put those flashbacks in there
0: i've forgotten that but i think you're absolutely correct that i think that there is some they're trying to re-anchor us to that beginning of the show yeah like literally
2: relevant to the office space issue but it still seems Strange decision on us. It's part of a bigger concept of how this all started.
0: It's kind of weird though. They're talking about the office and uh, interesting that you brought that back up again. They're talking about the office space and that now I was actually confused in what time frame we were talking about at some point, not only seeing these scenes, but also when they're having that conversation now in the co- current context saying that he's going to rent that office after all in the Like really? And then I, that's what made me track down the whole timeline of the show and realize that this has actually happened over a relatively short period of time. So it is possible that you like put in money on an office and nine months later, it could be like, you know what, I will take that office. So it's not that big of a time jump because it's not actually four years. It's only like less than one year between the beginning of the show and now maybe significantly less than a year, maybe six months or so. Regardless, I think that they are setting that up, that they're moving back to the city. I guess that's what's happening there in that opening scene. And that they are going to move into the office. And I guess this is when they're going to supposedly, they're like, we dodged a bullet and we got our life back on track. And then this accident is going to throw everything up in the air again. And then, but I I think even if they did think they could walk away from all of this, they're, they're probably completely mistaken, but maybe that's what's being disrupted there, the fantasy that this is gonna be okay. Right. Oh, I'll say right now that completely unsatisfying, <laughs> completely and utterly unsatisfying to me would be that the finale is this, and tell me if you'd be happy with this or not, because I would not be, I'd be very angry. If the finale of the show is that they do in the next half, they are able to manipulate everybody, pull every string, get all their ducks in a row, expunge their records, walk away scot-free, and they're heading back to Chicago to go back to their normal life. And then this arbitrary accident goes and kills all of them or most of the family. It's like Jason Bateman by himself at the end at when his family dead from that car accident. I would be really angry (laughs) if that was the end of the show.
3: That
2: would be very unsatisfying. And I don't think it will be just because they are talking about that future meeting with the FBI. Right. So I don't think so, but it could be, I, I don't know. I don't think they would have given it away like that if that was going to be the end.
0: Honestly, I do not think that's going to be the case, yeah. but if by some chance, like it is possible, they've set the, the seats, uh, they have set things up where they, uh, that could be the finale. And if that is the finale, I would be very angry because it would basically negate all the craziness that happened in the show to have an right. arbitrary car accident and wipe out the family exactly i agree i guess we'll wait and see and they've announced no plans for the second half of the series the dates
3: i have no idea
0: so maybe three or four months i would assume <laughs> i assume so let's pivot to a completely <laughs> to another murderous topic but but a much lighter one i think and uh, it is the after party on apple plus
1: mm-hmm.
0: i was just watching the kansas city game by the way and they had a very Long Apple Plus commercial where they're like basically it's John Hamm complaining that there's two movies with Tom Hanks in it, there's one movie with two Mahershala Alis in it. There's a TV show with Jennifer Aniston and he's like saying everybody's on Apple Plus except for John Hamm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is going to be an ad that will run right the Super Bowl as well, by the way. But uh, anyway, just to show that Apple is making a big investment in these shows. Yeah. What did you think of in general? What did you think of it? And then we'll break down these individual episodes. We had three episodes. They all dropped at once. Everybody can watch episode one. And I would say my opinion, and you can tell me what you think, Sona. I don't think you can really judge the show from that first episode, because I didn't find it very funny, to be honest with you, but uh, I did like the second and third episode very much. But anyway, everybody can watch episode one if you want to track that down, but we will be discussing all three of the episodes that dropped just this week. And the fourth episode will be coming in just a few more days, actually. It does go week to week. But what were your general impressions of this?
2: I agree with you. The first episode does have to do a lot of groundwork, especially in a show that has so many characters. So you do get a lot of that foundational stuff that is not really what the show is about, but just that you need to know in order to understand what's happening in the show. (laughs) So I I get that. Listen, I love the premise of a high school reunion and the after party and this murder that happens there, I think is very fun. It's got a really great cast. I think I'm not entirely sold on it yet, but it is growing on me. That's what I can say right
0: now. In general, I agree with everything you're saying. I would say that I was a little more enthusiastic, probably halfway through episode two. I was really on board with the show because I just found the whole episode and we'll break them down a little bit. But Ike Barinholtz and his episode were were really entertaining. So the basic premise of the show for everybody is it's a murder mystery. It's a class reunion. There's an after party after the class reunion and Dave Franco, who plays the character called Xavier, dies at his palace. He is a Justin Bieber actor, a musician, I should say, but also an actor. So I'm not sure what that would correlate to in the real world, but it just gives you more opportunities to have. Stunt casting, for one thing. And uh, there's some very funny jokes in there about uh, this Private Eyes movie he made, or that the, the, the history of John Hall and uh, J- uh, Hall Notes, I should say.
2: Oh, see, to me, I, I'm much more fond of the Hungry Hungry Hippos movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess is supposed to be like a spoof of the Jumanji movies, right?
2: First of all, I love Jumanji. And second, I think a Hungry Hungry Hippos movie is a great idea. I think it could work.
0: <laughs> there was a pun they made about the, the hippos losing their marbles or something (laughs) (laughs) and baron hollis goes that wasn't that funny but his daughter found the funny stuff of course (laughs) (laughs) but that was that was a pretty funny line but i did a stunt casting you have will forte in the hungry hungry hippos movie and you have channing tatum plays oh i mean you should say hall uh, Hall, right john hall in the Mm -hmm. the, to dave franco's oats
2: really this should be hitting (laughs) All my sweet spots. I love Holland Notes. I love Hungry Hippos. I love Twenty (laughs) One Street. All of it should be coming together.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it really on paper it really felt like a perfect, perfect show for us to cover. But and I agree, especially after that first episode, I was like kind of like and uh, but it's starting to click more for me as it's going along. And I'll tell you why I like it is that there's jokes that are paying off, and this is a, a formula with Christopher Miller who wrote and directed this show. There's jokes that pay off like they're they're. They're callbacks, right? Like throughout the show, mm-hmm. like you see on the 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street movies, there's these jokes that are repeatedly calling back to themselves. And those jokes are getting like richer as they keep mm-hmm. repeating throughout the show. And I hope that continues throughout. But the setup of the show is, and I'm gonna play a little bit of audio here because I wanna hear the beginning of this because we hear the murder or the death. I'm not sure if we're certain it's a murder yet. Nothing can ruin this night. So anyway, what we heard there was, it's uh, Xavier basically falls to his death at the beginning of the show. And uh, we have Anique, played by Sam Richardson, who we hear him screaming, and we find out why later. And we also hear a woman screaming. I'm not sure who it is yet. It could be Zoe or, and uh, we hear someone scream at Xavier so they've seen the body. So Xavier has basically fallen from this house he lives on the beach. Beautiful house. Yeah, beautiful. Do we know where this is? Is this California, I assume? Probably. Yeah,
2: they said, I think it's the uh, San Francisco area, the Bay Area, I think. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so the cast members we have here, we have Anique is played by Sam Richardson. We have Zoe played by Zoe Chow. We have uh, Brett played by Ike Baronhold We have Jasper played by Ben Schwartz. We have Chelsea played by Ileana Glazer. Dave Franco plays Xavier. And uh, there's other cast members here as well. Most importantly, I think we need to mention that right after the murder, we see that Tiffany Haddish shows up as one of the police detectives. She's always great. Yeah, she's always funny. And John Early from another show that I knew you haven't probably caught up on yet, Asona, but it's Search Party. John Early, his her <laughs> partner, is very funny as here. where And he's usually funny as well so they show up to to, for the investigation tiffany haddish is being told to not investigate the crime but she can take some you know interviews but she says the police chief said that she's going to take you know control of the investigation and basically starts to interview each one of these main cast members and she starts with sam richardson anique and sam richardson by the way has been in a bunch of things this year he was in a movie called werewolves with werewolves within, which is a very mm-hmm. entertaining movie and also was in the tomorrow war with Chris Pratt, which was a big expensive movie that premiered this summer. But he's been all over the place this year actually. And I, I wasn't a huge fan of his first episode. And in this first episode, he's the one who gets interviewed and he's the prime suspect. And it turns out he was trying to rekindle things with Zoe and his story, you know, uh Tiffany Haddish basically sets up the premise of the show, basically saying that everybody has an internal movie that they're living in. And she says, what's your genre? Like, what's your internal monologue? And Sam Richardson basically, or Anik, explains that it's a romantic comedy. And he's trying to rekindle this unrequited love he had from high school, Mm Zobany. This is the longest episode of the season, by the way. And because it's setting up this the Mm -hmm. framework of this show. And then once it goes into the genre movie, it's probably about the same length as the other episodes, which are around 30 minutes. So minus that opening. And I felt it very clunky, very awkward setting things up. But once they got into the romantic comedy, I thought it worked pretty well, but I still wasn't 100% on board. But how did you like this first episode?
2: I thought it was cute. I guess the standard that I hold all high school reunion scenes up to as you could probably guess, is gross point blank. (laughs) To me, this was no gross point blank situation. (laughs) Um, Because that is a very high standard. I just think that is an amazing uh, high school reunion (laughs) that they've got there. So I was entertained and interested, but I was blown away, except for, as I texted you, the karaoke scene did have me laughing pretty hard. (laughs)
0: <laughs> anyway, they put the wrong song on. Yes, very funny. And yeah. he's changing the lyrics because it doesn't want to be offensive. <laughs> he's
2: trying to plead with her as he's doing it. This isn't the right song. This isn't what I wanted to be saying to you. He's trying to modify the lyrics as he goes. My neck, um, my back,
0: right? My neck, my back.
2: Yeah, I did. It very entertaining.
0: Yeah, that was, I actually, because I had not loved the episode that much, I had actually forgotten that scene, but that is a very funny scene, actually. And, yeah. and, it's, and the other thing that I a little self-referential thing is when he's telling the story about how he's about to kiss her and it starts raining. And then she runs off on uh, James Franco Xavier's plane and it starts uh raining again. And yeah. Tiffany Haddish stops the interview. She goes, wait a yeah. second, it rained again. And he yeah. goes, no, not really, but it felt like it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny. Like this whole like commenting on the genre itself was, I thought was pretty clever. But in general, I thought this was okay. And at the end of that first episode, I'm like, feels like this is going to be a tough, you know, for them to pull this off when, you know, they couldn't really nail this first genre Mm -hmm. really well. But then they follow up with episode two, which is Brett's story. And uh, and we'll basically walk through the episodes to set up everybody's, like, what they want out of this. Tiffany Haddish is detective. She wants to be the lead detective on this story. And she wants to crack this case. Neek wanted to reunite with Zoe. And felt that Zoe was potentially being seduced by Xavier, and that's the premise of the first episode. In episode two, we see Brett, which is Ike Barinholtz's character, and I really liked this episode. I thought his whole, th- you know, energy was really funny. He thinks he's in an action movie—that's his version mm-hmm. of reality. But actually, all he is is trying to. Reunite with his wife Zoe, and uh, you know to keep the family together. And he's most of what he's hiding because he we know he's hiding something the whole entire episode. Turns out he's hiding his daughter who's sleeping inside the car, <laughs> that's all he's trying to hide. And uh, this is all very funny. First of all, I had never noticed that Ben looks like Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> but with his hair darkened and the way they light him, he literally yeah. looks like Mark Wahlberg in multiple scenes. And I'm like, it's perfect casting for this very cheesy action movie that he thinks he's living mm-hmm. in but there's like some of the funniest parts here just the way that he, everything's so heightened his car chases are all ridiculously over the top his literally a pissing contest with dave franco which i thought was hilarious i've
2: forgotten about that yeah yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he's, he's so good at being able to hold his urine and the wind this pissing contest that then when he wants to you know cut it off he can't he, This whole thing was really funny. And I thought it worked pretty well, like the action, like the way that the the fight scenes were set up and everything was pretty clever. And the payoff here is just the realization that it turns out that, you know, that this is something that I think is interesting that the show is exploring is this whole idea, the subjectivity of reality where... Anik, this is something I should have mentioned, by the way, Anik exits the first interview, really feeling like he is the prime suspect. So he decides to basically have his own parallel investigation in Mm -hmm. case the cops get it wrong, which could be a very bad idea, by the way. But uh, he uh, decides to do his own investigating and he's eavesdropping on this conversation. And that's a very funny scene, by the way, where he is trying to come up with uh, this mnemonic to remember how to uh, program the speakers. And he ends up turning like the sound system on in, in, in the room where the interview is happening.
2: Yeah. I one thing that is a funny running gag here is the idea of yes, Tal- uh, Jasper. Yes. Jasper. Thank you. I think a fun running gag here is Jasper's AV work and yes. all of the skills he's developed because of it. And he actually seems to be quite good at his job, even though he makes some strange decisions, he seems to understand the decisions he made and how to control them and how to capitalize on them. So I think uh, that's a funny running gag they have going about the AV setup in this beautiful house and how Jasper knows it all backwards and forwards.
0: Yeah, his episode, Jasper's episode is musical. And one of the lyrics is where he says, is he gonna someday become a rock star or is he gonna be um, just a AV technician on Angie's list that has a four and a half star rating, (laughs) (laughs) but. But yeah, four and a half stars. Pretty good. Pretty good rating. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he, they're eavesdropping using this uh, Ben Schwartz, uh, Jasper's AV knowledge, which he installed this actual system. They're eavesdropping from the bathroom. It's very curious that they're in the bathroom the whole entire time, but in and out of the bathroom, I should say. But anyway, they're uh, eavesdropping and they're listening in on Bike Bear, on uh, Brett's interview. A theme that's being developed here is this whole subjectivity of reality where Sam in his version, of course, is the star of his movie. And it's only when he realizes that, oh, everything that happened tonight wasn't about Zoe trying to get with uh Xavier was trying to screw over Brett by going for Zoe. So it's like all of this is like basically, it turns out that you think you're the center of your own story, but there's always like this other story going on. And it's just this misunderstanding identification of what's actually happening around us all the time, which I think is interesting. And especially if they continue to develop that, which I think they will over the course of the series.
2: It reminded me, and it's a completely different genre, but it reminded me of the idea of the affair on Showtime, which, you know, I loved. There's a murder here, but it's very lighthearted. Uh, The Affair in a much higher stakes setting explored the idea of how you recall something and how someone else recalls it. And everyone walks away with a different impression of what happened and what the other person was thinking and all of that. So it's a different spin on that idea to me, which is one that I'm really um, entertained by and I find really interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that that if there's anything that will pay off in some way, like at a deeper level, it's that idea, which I also, like you mentioned, I find it really fascinating that this is the world we live in that we're always just like piloting our minds around the world (laughs) through these bodies. And Mm -hmm. of course we just start guessing at what's actually happening. And this is like an example of how everybody's going to have a completely different version of reality. And we're not going to theoretically, if the show pays off, we're not going to get a full picture of what happened until the very, very end. I do find the the concept here, the premise here, very interesting. And that gets us to the second episode, which I did like much better than, than the first one.
2: I really think it was a funny running gag with Ike Barinholtz trying to recover that koala for his yes. daughter. Because, of course, if your kid has an item that they cannot sleep without, you cannot go anywhere without that item because the consequences are dire. So I thought it was really funny to see that, that was the context for every time someone thought that he was threatening them and screaming at them he was just screaming koala koala i need the koala and nobody was understanding because they all assumed he was out to to hurt them in some way so i thought that was a fun payoff for that for everything that we saw in the first episode i thought it was a fun payoff for what was actually going on is that the girl just
0: needed her stuff Absolutely. And since I have this episode in front of me, I was curious to see what they thought he was saying when he was yelling at them in the car.
3: Oh my God, he's here. <laughs> no, no, no. go.
0: kill all, kill all of
3: you. What's he saying? the window. Roll it down. Oh my God, he's going to do it. i
0: go. go. <laughs> it's very funny to hear him saying it here now. Right? what that that this is a, maybe speaking to the quality of the show this is only funny that line is only funny in retrospect
2: oh absolutely yeah he's
0: not gonna say i'm gonna kill you he's like, i'll kill all of you <laughs> and he's saying it over and over again i'll kill all of you because they're confusing <laughs> koala with he's all think- all
2: possibly understand why he would be yelling koala so their (laughs) brains have made it into something else
0: (laughs) it's funny
3: oh my god he's gonna do it (laughs) no No, go go go
0: no he's not (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you called that back out because that is very funny and i did want to track that down to be like what did they think he was saying (laughs) yeah very 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 clever and then at least i think the best of the three episodes which is and i know you may disagree with this (laughs) but it's jasper's episode And we find out this whole backstory where Jasper was in a ska band, very funny back to the, another more nineties, um, nostalgia here, by the way, that now we have a ska, which is, was very big in the nineties. And then we have uh, Jasper and Xavier were in a ska band together and Xavier made it and Jasper never did. And now he's a four and a half star, you know, installer on Angie's list and never made it, but he wants Xavier. to to bless his track bless his track are you down to bless so yeah bless his track with with a guest vocal and which leads to this his whole version of the story which is a musical and this is very funny i know sona doesn't like musicals either but i actually find this very funny because the show is very aware of how annoying this could be you literally have tiffany haddish's character detective danner being like please don't say (laughs) <laughs> and can we just cut this down a little bit? <laughs> and uh, so he's criticizing the the framing of this thing, but of course he has to sing and perform every one of his moments here. And uh, and I found it very entertaining. What did you think of this one?
2: Listen, they did the best they could in this format, and I understand it was entertaining. I just there is nothing that can really bring me around on the musicals. I feel like. I did appreciate the cleverness of the songs. I wish they had been a little bit shorter.
0: They're not even that long, by the way. They felt long. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? That's what's funny is I actually enjoyed the songs very much. And I uh, looked them up on Spotify. They're all available on Spotify. Anybody who wants to listen to them or, I mean, on any streaming service, I should say. When I looked at them, two of them are about three minutes long. And one of them is two minutes long. Wow. But I agree that it did feel longer in the context of the show. But yeah, in this musical... There are some really funny critiques here. Like in his flashback, he's showing up at school and he's giving everybody high fives. It's a very different experience. Everybody's seems happy when you see the very first episode. You seem happy to see him, but it's pretty subdued. They're like, oh, hey, Jasper. Yeah. And in his version, he's giving high fives and he yeah. starts doing backflips. The te- detective interrupts him again. And is just, like, you seem a little tall to be a gymnast. And he's, like, You'd be surprised. That's why I have all those participation trophies back at home. <laughs> <laughs> but then the highlights here for me anyway are these really hilarious musical numbers he has and the first one is very much a spoof of my shot from Hamilton which is two shots mm-hmm. where he's talking mm-hmm. about like, you don't just get one shot right at your <laughs> dreams you get two shots
2: yeah That's totally amazing.
0: nonsensical totally <laughs> nonsensical although they have some examples there
2: first
1: movie bombs make a better sequel. You feel become a paralegal your first band the quarterman doesn't move the
0: needle form the second band and call the fucking Beatles. the quarterman if the quarterman doesn't make it you start a second band and call the Beatles.
2: okay listen if you don't pass the bar exam take it again don't <laughs> immediately jump to being a paralegal okay
0: yeah i was going to ask you about <laughs> that specifically right specifically like that, if that is a good strategy or not
2: it's I- a strategy I wouldn't say it's the best strategy.
0: My favorite song it's of a- these, by the way, is the whatever song. We're
2: to work
1: together and turn the aspirin into a household name. He wants to do for me what 50 did for the game. Minus their ensuing beef. That exchange could not have gone better. I can't believe he said, Yes, yeah, sure. Just a
0: cool guy's wait. Yeah, sure, whatever. And I like that as the song progresses, everybody starts dropping the yeah and the sure, and then they just keep saying whatever. And he goes, does not sound this good when you always say whatever? Vicky's here, by the way, from The Good Place. Did you notice? I did not notice. She's the pregnant Jennifer. Oh, the one of the pregnant The Jennifer's. one, There's two. Okay. Yeah!
1: Really what are we back, in
0: high school? And I do like to go from two shots to later on three dots, which is the ellipsis that we've yep. all experienced waiting right. for someone to respond. And some of the lyrics there are very funny too, where it's like, come on, man, just fucking press send. <laughs> 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 yeah. Track down those songs. If you guys want to hear them, even if you haven't seen the show, they're still very funny on their own, but very funny in the context of the show. And yeah, so we find a bunch of things here, right? In parallel, by the way, while this musical numbers are happening and Jasper's story is being played out as a musical, that we also have Anik is still in- investigating on his own because his buddy Jasper's occupied. First of all, they have found a note in the garbage can that seems to be a threat about something that happened. I'm guessing, what do you think here? Is this a sexual assault, you think?
2: Oh, uh, interesting. I thought it was just like a relationship gone wrong but maybe I didn't read the note closely enough.
0: I think we're going to find out in the very next episode. I think that there might have been an assault possibly. So this could go take a darker turn potentially, Mm -hmm. but something happened on a weekend when they were in high school and someone has written this note. Turns out that the E's are like written as backwards threes in the note. And... There's also a. <laughs> I have diarrhea. <laughs> is written on yeah. Anik's face. I forgot to mention, by the way, that somebody has had graffitied uh, Anik's face, and we see Not possibly more than one person. Oh, definitely more than one person. Yes, good point. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it starts off with one person, which we see beginning like with a mustache. Right. That Jasper tries to intervene on. <laughs> he goes. The mustache looks good on you. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, by the time Anique actually wakes up, because he's been like drugged by accidentally drinking Chelsea's. Uh, seems to be that she has a dosed uh, booze to give to xavier mm-hmm. and he has drank it uh, accidentally and uh, as he passed out and of course it looks like multiple people like you said have uh, written on his face and his body as well But he has a note on the back of his neck that says i have diarrhea <laughs> so this becomes his genius plan to have everybody write down either i have diarrhea or i don't have diarrhea
2: <laughs> i generally hate humor like this but erico i I laughed until I cried at the way he was explaining his justification for why people needed to write this.
0: And their reaction What was the rules of the game? It, it, there's a, he comes up with the most ridiculous. And it's something about like, there are villagers, there are clams. Yes.
3: Yeah, totally. Uh, could you write on this piece of paper, I have diarrhea or don't have diarrhea?
1: I'm sorry, you interrupted my sacred meditation for diarrhea?
3: No, actually, I interrupted you for a game about diarrhea. See, all right, imagine a town, all right, with villagers, with ghosts, with a barrel of clams, and one toilet.
1: Okay, you know what? I'm gonna do it, and that way you could probably just leave me alone afterwards,
3: okay. All right. Yeah, okay. Thing about calling it Spooky Dookies.
1: Okay, there you go.
3: Thank you, all right, whoa. What is this, like, the British spelling?
1: Oh, Australian, actually. Um, my recent trip to Melbourne is where my baby was conceived. Yeah, that's
3: enough. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> Very strange. This is all a cockamamie way to come up with a way to have everybody write diarrhea on the person. <laughs> <laughs> Jasper even mentions that. Can you pick, like, this easier word? <laughs> And he's like, no, because diarrhea is misspelled. And that's the second joke, right? Is that everybody ends up spelling diarrhea differently than it is written on his head. So it's written incorrectly on his head, but everybody has their own incorrect way of spelling it.
3: And so the villagers are kind of inciting amongst themselves, like whether they do or don't have it. it.
2: Why would you think it's appropriate to play a game right now? And it's about
3: diarrhea? Somebody say diarrhea game. Uh, I'm in. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you just kind of write whether you do or don't have diarrhea, and then you initial right there. H in the middle. That's now.
1: Diarrhea.
3: <laughs> I love this
1: game. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes. The other thing that's funny about it too is that he is a escape room designer. Escape. That's a yeah. <laughs> So he's actually developing this game in his mind, and it's funny in his character that it's as if while he's continuously BSing with these people that he's actually developing the the game in his mind (laughs) because it's like, he keeps adding rules which each like each iteration that he explains the rules to somebody else. But yeah, that was well done. And, uh, and what else do we discover here? Yeah. So he's looking for somebody to spell (laughs) the diarrhea and it looks like he does not find anybody that matches in the sample that he gets. It isn't the full Mm -hmm. sample because what we discover there at the end is that Jennifer, the other pregnant Jennifer has disappeared. And so now the question is where did she disappear to? Right. So that's where we leave things with episode three. They find also next to Xavier's body is the dosed booze, the flask. And of course that is going to lead to Chelsea's story next week. And we also think, I suspect that Chelsea's actually the one who may be the note writer. That's my guess.
2: That's when it seems to be setting up,
0: yeah. So based on your reading of the show, as just purely as a show, let's just read this as like a movie like Clue. And there's always clues, no pun intended, in the show as you're watching it, especially in these type of entertaining mysteries. Who do you think might be the killer at this point?
2: Uh, I have nothing. So let me hear your guesses.
0: Okay, I have two things that have happened here that make me suspicious of two different characters. The first thing that happened is that we have, and we haven't even mentioned this character yet, it's Walt. The shady guy
2: who can remember.
0: Walt, who's this guy who like mm-hmm. no one remembers and he literally is walking up to everybody going, do you remember my name? Do you know who I yeah. am? Remember my name? And there's mm-hmm. always that person that you went to school with and you never even remember that he was mm-hmm. there. <laughs> and this is the guy, right, at the reunion. But he's being very aggro about the fact that people don't remember him. Mm-hmm. And if you'll notice that Anique is about to have him sign Uh Do you have Uh diarrhea or not? And then he snatches the paper away from him and turns to give it to Zoe because he just wants an excuse to talk to Zoe. But Uh we did not get a handwriting sample. So that's the first thing. The second thing is like that in plain sight is Detective Culp played by John Early, who just seems Uh like once again on these shows, somebody who's there the whole time, but is in the background. Uh The fact that he accidentally, quote unquote, deleted all of the footage, right? It's just like, it just happened to so push the wrong button and oh, look, all of the security footage got deleted, mm-hmm. which seems a little suspicious, a little too convenient, especially since they don't have to introduce the, the hidden camera, which turned out to be a joke, by the way, it's inside the eye of the poster for private eyes. Mm-hmm. If it just didn't exist, then fine. Like just say there's no security camera, but to introduce it and then have someone intentionally or accidentally quote unquote delete all the footage makes me think there's more to it than that. And uh, so it makes me think that maybe he wasn't just an idiot pushing the button. Maybe he knew exactly what he was doing. So those are my two suspects at this point.
2: Interesting. And of course, it could be a Scream-like situation where it's actually two people working in tandem to uh, commit this murder and then cover it up.
0: So that's where we're at. And uh, we will find out next week the story from Ileana Glazer from Broad City here playing Chelsea. I think
2: it's Ilana, by the way. I'm sorry.
0: Yes, Ilana, you're right. I know what the genre is based on the description on the the website. And it basically says that this is going to be a thriller. So her episode is a thriller. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see how well they pull that off. I'm curious to see. I thought they did a good job with the tone, even with the romantic comedy. At first, it felt awkward. But I think halfway through that episode, I actually did start getting into that. Romantic comedy yeah. vibe, like started rooting huh. for them yet you know, as a couple. Yeah. So I do think they've done a pretty good job of shifting. I, I think that's why I started getting on board with it. I really felt that the action episode with brett's episode i really felt like that did feel like an action movie It, it, it bit in the, the most ridiculous context so it just made me laugh because mm-hmm, it was so taking mm-hmm. itself so seriously even though it was ridiculous and that's when i started to enjoy this genre play that they're doing i'm curious to see what they do with the thriller if they can pull that off it should be pretty interesting this week cool looking ahead by the way episode five is called high school it's not a person's name. We And then the week episode after that is Zoe. So we get Zoe's story on episode six. Episode five is high school. So I am curious to know, are we going to go back in time to them in high school? That should be pretty fun. Like, Yeah. Especially if you do a high school show, movie type, like a breakfast club type movie. That'd be pretty interesting.
2: Yes, that would be.
0: And now let's say that they do that, Sona. Would you prefer to see people playing them younger or... Would you prefer to see these actors pretending to be 18 years old? But like, would you? Prefer- I think I'd prefer to see these <laughs>
2: actors pretending to be 18 years old.
0: <laughs> I agree. I agree.
2: Yeah. I think that would be more fun.
0: All right. So that is that. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. And uh, I think you're coming around to it a little more. I think most-
2: so. Yeah. Even just talking about it now, I've grown more fond of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's good. That's what the show's for. That's what this show is for. I should say this one specifically. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And I'll talk this to you soon. Is my second Sounds child. good.
1: Talk to you later. Okay. The last one I got. My whole future's in his fingertips. Will I be a superstar? Or will I remain a four and a half star? Baby installation guy on Angie's list. Am I destined for glory or not? I can't stand this purgatory of the dot, dot, dot I'm three dots from stardom All of my dreams may come true When it text finally For me, or the end. Come on, bro, just fucking present. Who knows tomorrow? I could be partying with supermodels, drinking champagne by the bottle. Is this guy riding me a novel? make it brief, a simple why meaning yes is all I need. Who the hell types for this long, the entire duration of a song?